Productivity people, thank you so much for tuning back into the podcast. And if this is your first time, the views, opinions, and information expressed on this podcast are solely intended just to educate you and inform you. And it's all based on Danielle's and her guests' opinions, research, and experience. This podcast absolutely does not constitute financial or investment advice, and the hosts are certainly not financial advisors, brokers, or dealers, because, well, you just have to trust us on that one. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Motivity Podcast with Danielle. So hi guys, this is Danielle with the Motivity Podcast. First of all, thanks for listening to my show. Uh, we develop a new show every week. Um, so this week, which I'm super excited about, we're going to focus on data analytics and the main focus of the show is to try to get more women interested in this um, sector, but also talk about how, why is there not too many women uh, in this sector? And, and maybe, you know, it's a number of things, but we're going to deep dive into how do we bring more women into leadership and how does that get done? Because we would love to see more of that. So today on the show, we have Dr. Sue Tripali. She's a managing director with a focus on data anal analytics. So she makes data-driven data-driven decisions, which is huge when we talk about data-driven decisions. And I just want to make one call out. There's going to be more and more stuff that's coming up around the world that data is driven behind decisions. So I love that we're going to actually deep dive and talk about this because I think it is very important. So Sue, first of all, hello. Thanks for being hello. on the show today. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm delighted. Um, so give, give us like a broad overview. You know, when I say data analytics, it means one thing to me because I use sensors and I use big machinery to tell me what's going on in the world, where traffic is, who should be doing what. But tell me what, when you say data analytics, define it for the listeners. And uh, let's start there because I think it's really important. And then we'll, we'll get into, you know, the challenges of women being in this, in this role and maybe why that is. And how yeah. do we get more women involved? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm excited, delighted to be here. It's lovely to see you again and happy new year to you, Danielle. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited about this particular topic on, day, on data analytics and leadership and women leadership in, in this particular area. Because, and, and I'll speak, it, I'll weave what your first question was, which is how do I define data and how do I define analytics and what does it mean to me? And I think one of the things you also mentioned was around data-driven organizations or data-driven culture. So um, frankly, you know, one of the things that I don't do is I do not actually define data. Uh, I define data for myself individually, personally, but that doesn't relate or may not actually be in congruence with um, the external folks, sometimes even with internal, with clients and others. So I always want to find out what does a data-driven organization or a data-driven culture mean to them. But at the very minimum, one of the things around data is that data is very critical to both our professional as well as our personal lives. Every single thing, a decision that we are making is based on certain information. Information is larger than just a data point. So at a very basic level, you could say that any Thing that you are experiencing in life or even in your profession, any decision that you need to be made, that you are making is informally or formally based on information or a point in time data that you have collected, again, That's through, true. It could be through various sources, through social media, et cetera, et cetera, right? 
And without knowing, we, have, we are actually data decision makers. We, we do that every single day, men and women, children as well, right? We decide what time we need to come back home. We decide what time, how much time we are going to spend for, to, uh, at the gym. We decide uh, you know, how well to proceed with certain businesses. We prioritize. All of that is backed up by data. So at a very minimum, I would say data is the foundational piece. It's very critical in our daily lives. And then there are various aspects of data, how you manage data, how you govern data, why is it so foundational, how do you build it up? I know that that's not the topic of interest today, but I'm glad that you asked that question about what does it mean um, to me? So I explained yeah. to you at a very basic level what it means to yeah. me. Obviously that definition may or may not hold water, especially when I'm talking to a client because we're talking more about business and at a, at a different level. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting point. It's um, And you're right. It, all data comes from, you know, experience on some level. And I always try to figure out when I'm speaking to someone where they're coming from. And and it's funny when they say certain, and that you've been in business meetings before, but when we hear certain terminology, we're like, okay, that probably came from this. They need more and more of that information, the back information to make that other decision. And, and so it's, it's always interesting because we would love to track all the data points, but we never could. I mean, it's impossible, especially in, my line of work or your line of work, right? Because those data points always, always change. But um, but how do we get more women interested in this? I mean, I am fascinated by data, um, mm -hmm. maybe because I've seen um, diff various outputs of mm -hmm. better decision-making based on data. That's just because of the line of work I'm in. But how do, how do we get the interest level there? How do we kind of change the landscape of, hey, this is of interest or this is going to be a bigger piece of the pie than we think. I don't know what it is, right? Is it that we're yeah. being coached not to go that yeah. way? I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger yeah. on it. And therefore, you know, my, my very simplistic view of what data is, right? I began on purpose there because sometimes, especially women, um, are at some point, I think between 14 and 16 years old, when they're in high school is when they stop having interest. I, I re I've read some uh, studies and no research way. that has been done around it. And there is actually a bias, a very, very unconscious bias, actually, even in the school system. And it's not limited, by the way, to the US. It's actually quite global, where we tend to uh, dissect the student population into male and female and automatically assume that boys are going to be better in certain um, uh, subjects, one of them being math, uh, which includes, of course, data or even statistics, which is what my background, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, my doctorate is in healthcare and stats. So I think that that's why we have STEM to, to break that. And now you're seeing more and more women engaged actually in science and in STEM programs, it's still nowhere close. So I think it begins at that level, begins at a very early childhood development nascent level, and it goes on from there. But let's just assume for the sake of this conversation that you're already in the workforce and you don't have any formal um, education, education or experience in data or analytics. Yeah. That's fine. The reason I said what I said which is you are already a data decision maker. You have to first be aware. And so if you want to have, the first thing is to recognize that you're aware that even though you don't have that formal education, you are actually a data person. Data is driving your decisions. And then you have a desire and the urge and the, you go get, get you know, knowledgeable about it. 
So then you take certain actions and you'll see results. So my rule of thumb is you don't need to be a computer science. You don't need to be a PhD or you, you, it doesn't matter. What matters is, are you driven by it? Are you passionate about it? Do you want to learn more about it? And that's, of course, goes beyond data and analytics to anything that you want to do in life and then go learn it because in today's day and age, a lot of things are available, frankly, even certifications that are recognized by the industry that you can go get for yourself, even if your company doesn't pay for, pay for it. And right? that's, so, that's a real, just want to bring up that point. And I say this a lot. A lot of people ask me, well, how did you get into technology? I said, you know, all you have to do is go on LinkedIn. You, you could see, an, I mean, every company, Microsoft, Amazon, Cisco, I, you, you definitely, every company posts and has courses that you could take for free to, to understand even and any course that you want to learn about. And, and I, I bring that up actually a lot. I say that to a lot of people. Well, just look at a few courses or play around. It costs nothing. I mean, it's free. It's free yeah. courses. You could get certified on any platform yes. if of interest. I mean, just, yeah. So if you even want to, you know, talk about data, you know, or look at, you know, something data-driven decision-making right now, a lot is about Wi-Fi. Learn about, learn about Wi-Fi and what, goes into access points and, and what's going into retail and what's going in. I mean, we could, you know, the laundry list goes on and on and on about data driven exactly. decisions. Exactly. You can, yeah, you can go on Google, you can YouTube. I mean, you know, there's I, a I don't know much yeah. about cars or I don't know much about uh, housing and, and remodeling a house. Even though I may have a contractor, I'm not going to sit and, you know, have the contractor tell me what I want or what I don't want. Ultimately, it's my time and my budget. So going and educating yourself, you know, is a good thing. And how, what are you educating us? That itself is data, right? You're informing yourself. Um, you're and that's at, same. It's a, such yeah. a good point. That house point is such a good point. It's a lot of money to build a house. I mean, I'm in the process. I'm the one making the decisions based on other people's decision exactly. making, good or bad. Exactly. I'm saying to them, hey, I want this or I want to do that. And I'm trying to make, to be honest, I'm trying to automate my house just because I want a little bit geek out on my house, but mm -hmm. to make better decisions and to save myself money. So I'm trying to spend more upfront mm -hmm. to get data to turn off the lights all the time and use sensors. Like that stuff is you know? important, but you know? um, yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up, but yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's it. I mean that that's the reason I began where I began because it's it's permeated your life whether or not you recognize it or not. You are a data driven a data decision maker, maybe more so in the uh, um you know in your home than perhaps in your business if you're not in a particular role. It doesn't matter. You are in my opinion, you know, someone who's driven by data. Now you just have to formalize it, give it some structure. You don't want to get a certificate, that's fine. Google, inform yourself, educate yourself more. You're going to be that much better off is the way I look at it. I agree. So talk about women, you know, in these roles. Why do you feel like there's more men in the role, you know, versus women, which is okay. I don't, you know, it, you know it's society and we're never going to fix all societal problems. <laughs> Um, but how do we get more women in the role? Like, what what do you think we can educate on? Or maybe how do we, you know, give advice on getting these leadership roles? And you know, you know, I, I, you know, you know, is it that we're not confident? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's obviously a number of things, and we want this confidence. We want people to move forward. I always think about let's all right, that's done. 
it's a new day tomorrow. It's another day. Let's just tackle, you know, keep going on. Right. I don't know. That's kind of my mantra, I think at this point. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a very good question. And I'll, I'll try to answer it to the best of that I can in the limited time that we have. I think there are various key things. One is more the environmental, social, political, all of that, right? Uh, so, and what I mean by that, for example, is a subtle gender bias maybe in 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 an organization or even society. And of course, then right. there are cultural aspects of it. I think the other uh, piece of it is you know how women are perceived when they have when they are in leadership roles. So I think there's a, it's the policies and practices. Uh, that within an organization, a mismatch between perception versus, you know, the qualities that a particular organization may be looking at. And, you know, there are, by and large, we are socialized and it's so internal in us to think that, that when a man says certain things, uh, we should pay more attention. There's nothing right or wrong with what a person says, a, a, a man or a woman. But at the same time, we have internalized that. And again, it's not limited to a particular country. That, so it's actually breaking your own internal shackles as an individual, uh, you know, even maybe within your organization and at a larger societal level. And so you have to think about the locus of control. What do you have control over? The only thing that you have, if at all, any control over is you. You don't have any control over, you know, anything else. You may have a title, you may have a budget and all of that. From a business perspective, it may look like you have control, but you can't change human behavior overnight. You can teach, you can train, you can ask them to be in compliance. And by and large, you've seen the growth actually at a societal level. Let's just take the US, let's just take pay, right? Uh, what used to be 60 cents to a dollar became 72 cents to a dollar to 80 cents to a dollar in terms of pay equity, et cetera, et cetera. We're still not where we are where we should be, but we've come a long way, right? So in the same way, I think it's, it's one is need to address the actual practice of the policies that you have in place, because policies are there. It's not standards are there. It's the practice of what we see, the communication of what is really happening within an organization. And then, you know, how women are perceived. Now that last part is not something that's going to happen overnight. That, no. frankly, is very much contingent on, on uh, a woman. And there are various ways in which organizations have tried to address this by having those right skills, right competencies. But it also has to be within the quote unquote right context because you're working within a context. You're working within you know, a business and the business is there for a purpose. And so I've seen traditional areas where people have been mentored or coached or you know, but leadership is actually much more than mentoring and coaching. Leadership is actually a shift in your, your fundamental uh, shift in your identity, who you view, you know, not, not someone else. How do you view yourself as a leader? So you could have all the skill set, you could have all the education, you can have all the competencies and the experience, but you may still not have that leadership role that you yearn for. And what is it that prevents you from getting to that role? You can blame everybody, but you know, there are frankly women leaders in the world who are making a difference at different various levels. So what I'm hearing you say is that 
you know, how do you get there? And the how is one is identify, you know, how you view yourself as a leader. What do you have a sense of purpose as a leader, right? It's not going to happen overnight. It's, it is an iterative process. It's going to take time for you to think about what are those qualities that you are really look, looking for. Take advantage of the mentoring and the coaching and, you know, all of that. But you also have to think about beyond you. Now you have to think about the impact that you're making you're as a out, leader. Yes. As you communicate outside, to these others and how they yeah, perceive you. Exactly. Outside your organization, within your organization, within your business group, whatever it is uh, that you're leading. And I think these are things that requires reflection. It requires a little bit, frankly, of psychology, right? It requires a lot of change from within. It requires a recognition and an awareness of what you think you're good at versus the limitations that you may have as a human being, right? And then you also have to align it with your personal values. This is something that people don't talk about a whole lot. What are your personal values that would help in the collective good, overall good, not just of your organization? And then you start integrating that, those qualities, in, you know, in your behaviors, right? And, and if you are thinking about that larger purpose, you are, frankly, could be in a situation where you can actually take those policies that are already in pay, a place, enhance it, and actually put them into practice. I'm not saying any of this is easy, but sometimes in order to pave the path, not just for yourself, but for the next generation, the generation after that, you have to think about much more than you when it comes to leadership and women in, in leadership, especially in data yeah. and analytics. Yeah. It's, it's not always about you. It's about everybody. It's, it's about your exactly. team and how they're, how they're yeah. doing, how their well-being is. It, it, it's, yeah. it's a lot of mapping and it's a lot of yes. relationship management yeah. that goes yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of reflection. It's, you have to ask yourself, why do you want to be a leader? Now, there are some people who are innate, they're born with those leadership qualities. You may not see it, but the world sees it, right? And in that world, there's a subset of a mini world that says, I'm going to hone and I'm going to train this person because I see such great potential that not having this person in, in, in a leadership role would be a travesty. But that doesn't happen very frequently in the real world, right? It's no. As you said, relationships, networks, who you know, the politics within an organization, the social environmental context, et cetera, et cetera. So, but the first thing I think is you look internally, you, that it's, it's a lot of reflection on why you want to be and why do you think you're going to be a good leader? And then what are the things that you are want to have an impact for, which has, is an alignment again with your personal values. So you can make that transition. You can see that transition in yourself and you can take specific actions related to that, right? You can educate women. I mean, there are ERGs in every single organization, um, not just related to women, but a yeah. whole slew of these ERGs that you could participate in. You could create, you know, workspaces that are safe for people to not just talk, which is of course the first step, but then what actions can be taken within the limitations of whatever your organization has. How do you want to transition? Because again, it's a lot on you and how you want to transition. And then how do you want to anchor yourself? How do you want to, you know, to your point, use the networks that you have? And is it going to be like I've been told, hey, you know, it's going to be another three years before we consider you for leadership. 
Now I'm at a phase in my life where three years seems a long time because you know it's it's not like <laughs> I have you know 30 more years to work. Not be, not because I don't like to work, but you know I'm not 20. So you've got to think about also what you want from your life that would be helpful to you as a human being. And, and to some extent, I'll, I'll put myself out there, to some extent, you know, I defined myself in terms of my work. I found my self-worth and self-value related to not the titles, but what I was contributing, you know. I and agree. that cannot be your whole purpose in life. It has to be. And that itself is a learning. Right. That itself says, hey, or you could be frustrated saying, why am I not leading it? But sometimes it's better not to lead. Sometimes it's just better to take three steps back, take a look and find that there are people who are much better in that. And you're learning. So listening is a big part of it. Yeah. And I think, Sue, to that point, leaders come in many different roles, too. It's not always that the leader has to be the the C level, the VP level, there's different leadership positions that you could take at companies that maybe that's a step to see if you like it. You could be a leader without managing people. That's another way. I mean, I don't met, you know, I'm in that role where I have to lead, but I lead, I lead, um, you know, I would say horizontally, not in a, in a pyramid approach. So, um, you know, I just want to make that call out, like people listening and getting into the workforce or women listening it's it's not always a pyramid where you start out no, and there's one no, on top. No. There's levels and different levels to the organization. And so I think to Sue's point, you can do a number of leadership activities that that to see if you like being that type of leader. Like and that role, you know, like you said, strengths, weaknesses, ups, downs. There's a million different ways that you can combine um you know, that, that role really, and, and find, find out what best fits for you. Yeah. And you know, I've seen, I mean, I've, I've been in this space for 28 plus years now, right? I'll give you a quick example. So the United Nations, someone from the United Nations called me, um, you know, because they had seen an article and it was featured at, in the AI magazine. And yeah, I kid you not, the person who called me when she called me, I said, I think you've got the wrong Sue. And she said, she started to laugh. No, no, no. I'm looking at you at LinkedIn. You know, so a few months later, we're still, and what they are trying to do, for example, is something called AI for Good. So it's a platform where governments, nonprofits, universities, commercial, you know, there are all kinds of institutions literally all over the world. Uh, and the skin in the game is that let's create a more equitable future because there are countries in this world who do not have access to data who do not have access to AI or platforms. They don't have the training on the skills of the knowledge set. And so are we creating more of a dichotomy between the haves and have nots? Are we creating, because data and information is very powerful. And in today's day and age, it's all about speed, agility, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you create that? And also from a sustainable lens. So they're coming yeah. from a sustainable development lens. This is not a plug about the UN and AI for good, but think about the larger good of how we, you, I, and the rest of the people that we interact with, whether at home or in the business, could actually benefit from that, right? So AI is data is not, um, you know, something that only five people need to consume because they are in data AI or they are tech tech people. Data is actually consumed in and out by non-technical users much more than just the those of us who happen to be in that field. Suppose 10% of the total global population is in this field and the remaining 90% aren't. 
but they are still making decisions based on data, data AI. The rest of the world may view them as non-technical. I view them as absolute potential data users who are going to be great leaders in data AI. So how do you bring people along without being too preachy, without saying thou must, you can do all of that within your organization. Beyond your organization, you cannot. You have, again, you have no authority there typically. So the other thing is river, uh, risk. Are you, are you the kind of person who's going to say, I want to do all of that, but I am risk averse. You know, I don't want to take, because I don't want to look stupid. And women in particular do that to themselves because we <laughs> That's funny. don't want to sound stupid. Right. And I think that is general men and women, but women in particular, they'll be quiet. Or on the other hand, you don't know what organizational practices may be in place. So on the face, it looks great, but people could be threatened. They may not feel safe. So that's why I said create, you know, uh, safe workspaces for people to have conversations. But then, then at some point, make that conversation into some some actions that's going to help people. And also I think that that's the key. I love the action piece, right? Like figure out the action or some little stamp that you could do and then, you know, see where you like to like, you know, what works well within your personality or like you're saying, build upon that or, you know, kind of look at the research and see what interests you and then try to develop from there. There's a number of ways to go about it. There really are. Yes. And you just yes. kind of have to start. I think that, you know, and I'm going to, personally reflect for a minute like it took me a long time to even launch a podcast and do all these pieces now that I'm doing it it's it's flowing it's it's interesting where it's taking me but you know it's I can't say that you know I, I was definitely nervous I think everyone's nervous when they first start any kind of endeavor but it's also good to get your mind just working and thinking and listening to other people's perspective I think sometimes we always just work in some such a little bubble you know so um, you know, I, I always say, go for it, seize, you know, seize the day, try to something else, do something new, see what, and, and I think uh, that social media has a great, I, I know everyone poo-poos it sometimes and, you know, they don't, I, I think it's great because it looks at your interest. And then if you're, you know, some of your interests and I, sometimes they are negative, but they could be positive too, you know, like, oh, that is of interest. And then, you know, you could grow it. Oh, maybe I should do that outside of watching Instagram. Like, that was kind of a revelation I was thinking about today. So, yeah, that and then, you know, I mean, that's why I say, you know, what are your uh, units? What you know, and what I mean by that is, you know, think about it at an individual level for yourself, of your team, of the business, group, yeah. of the organization, of society. And then, you know, you can do a mental map, um, you know, for the longest time. And I still tend to do it, but I catch myself a little bit more. Focus, I focus on others. Let me help so-and-so out. I'm not a saint. I want the same things perhaps that someone else wants, but you know, people think, oh, you know, she can talk, she can communicate. Of course, she's going to ask, but sometimes I forget to ask, not because I didn't want to, because I was so deep into something that I forgot. So in that process, if you don't put your, this is something I know it's going to sound cliche, but you know, I remember many years ago when Oprah said something like, you cannot take care of others unless you feed yourself, feed your soul, take care of you, right? If that is not innate in you, it is a learning. And that actually, again, it spills into both your professional and personal life. So taking care of you, 
mind, body, soul, having clarity of thought, just having two things that you want to do and try to do go do well in that. It doesn't, it's not quantity, it's quality, right? And be happy with whatever decisions that you have made and learn from the mistakes. And this is one thing I've done, I think, is have happily shared all the silly mistakes I've made in my life with my daughter, who just looked at me after listening to the whole thing and she said, but mine, not you, which is perfect. But that means she paid attention, she listened carefully, and probably there were two or three things that may have connected with her. She's not like me, thankfully. And so therefore, it was important. I mean, this is very important. We sometimes try to say, this is um, the professional life and this is your personal life. And that itself is actually, I think we've, we've done ourselves, our dis, ourselves a lot of disservice. It came for during COVID. And, you know, when people were no longer in the workplace and they had to work from uh, remotely, they were not accustomed to that because they were accustomed to seeing. So that was an adjustment. That was an accommodation. We are humans. And so this perception that I am different in the business and I have to be different in my personal space is basically you fooling yourself to say I'm a different uh, entity. You're not. You're still the same person. The core of who you are is who you are. And the core of what you want to learn, how you want to view yourself as a leader, what data you're going to gather, how you're going to go and get yourself either mentored, coached, or take action or take certification, whatever it is that floats your boat, it is for you first to reflect and then to take action and then, you know, take advantage and leverage all the things that are presented to you in the, in the workspace. So I think practice, I it's practice that makes you an effective leader. I agree. I agree. So we're up on time. Um, okay. First of all, thank you for being on the show. I hope we inspired some women. I hope we gave them some, you know, open their mind to some ideas and different ways to look at yourself internally, externally, you know, the mindset, the, some education things. I hope we gave, you know, some good advice. Any last words for the show? I think, I think when you're practicing, you know, uh, I'll share this. This is a, a trick that my dad had taught me and my mom had taught me. Stand in front of the mirror. It's just you in the mirror and practice yes. and see if you have an executive presence, right? That is um, true. There was an old movie with Melanie Griffith and Harrison Ford. I think it was called um, Working Girl or something like that in the yeah, 1980s, that, yep. mm -hmm. right? Go for it. <laughs> but to, uh, to Sue's point and, and you know, not everyone knows this because it's a podcast and it's recorded, but Sue always preps for her shows. She's so diligent about making sure she has great data points and stuff to talk about. So, you know, even, you know, as many times you've talked in front of an audience and I do the same, you always prep, right? And you talk to yourself yes. and you, you, yes. you develop those skills. And so, Sue, I, you know, I'm going to pick on you and say, you know, she's such an excellent, you know, co-host because she you know, we deep dive into the conversation prior. Now, you know, we, it takes prep and development and, and yes. conversation. So these, you know, tools that you learn, they don't stop. They don't just, you know, stop, no. you know, today or tomorrow. And sometimes I talk in my car and sometimes I talk, uh, you know, in a video and I record it. It's kind of all the same thing. Um, and, and I yeah. guess being in that leadership role, you ha really need that voice. You, you got to yeah. be comfortable up there, but it is nerve wracking. I still get nervous. I was nervous yesterday giving a presentation on a bunch of data points and you just don't know how it's going to be perceived, right? Like you do your best and sometimes you're good. And you know, we're all human at the end of the day. But. Yeah. 
exactly um, and there's not one way or the other way there's no right there's way that. or the wrong way you just have to discipline is important you know more yes. than talent talent is good discipline is even more important I'll, and i'll close with this so many years ago i was invited to this international conference of 20,000 delegates in vienna and i was presenting and i felt very privileged to be there and then amongst all the leaders global leaders were there there was bill gates and bill clinton Bill Gates came with over a hundred slides, extremely uh, prepared, looked at all the data. I, to this day, I remember some of those slides. Bill Clinton came with nothing, no slides. It was just his, he speaking to those 20,000 delegates. There was no perfect way of saying whether Bill Gates presentation was better or Bill Clinton. It was their comfort zone. Both were able to connect to the audience, right? But both came prepared. Bill Clinton made it seem like it was just coming and these thoughts were just coming. But anyone you know, knew that there were 10 or 15 talking points that he just wanted to cover. And given his years of experience as a leader, a global leader, he was able to do that. Same thing with Bill Gates, with the depth and of what Gates Foundation does. He couldn't have possibly remembered what was going on in Sudan and then you know, in Delaware and then in Belgium or in India, right? But the fact is that triggers memory and they're able to you know, give you the qualitative, the narratives that go behind the quantity, the data point. A data point doesn't tell you the story. That is what catches people's attention. You're right, so you always got to tell the backstory. You need some you know, preparation for that. Definitely. Well, thank you for being on the show today. It was a pleasure. Again, this is Danielle uh, Hirschman with the Motivity Podcast, and it has been a pleasure to talk about data analytics and getting more women uh, into the business. And so more to come. I know Sue has some highlights coming up in the next month, so I'm sure she's going to be back on the show. Thank you oh, very thank much. You, Daniel, and thank you for doing what you're doing. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you.